you co-parenting with your narcissist? It's not easy, is it? No, those terrible, hateful texts, those late night attacks, those emails, those like telling your children lies and getting back your children in trauma every single time they go to the narcissist's house, right? It's not easy. And if you have children that are young, you've got a long journey ahead of you. The narcissist is not going to change. You can change some of the things about how you respond to those hostile texts, how you put your children's needs above the need for revenge and answering the text with a counter text, like, that's not true. That's not going to help you. It's not going to help you co-parent and it's not going to help you move on. And we want you to move on and have a really good life. So today my guest is Christina McBee and McKee, I said it wrong. She's written this book. I'm holding it up for those of you on a podcast called Parenting Apart. And while it is nothing to do with narcissists, it is exactly what you need. There's a chapter in here that's going to talk about age gaps so from this age to this. Age. These are the things that your child could be experiencing. And here's how you help them. And here's the signs. If your child is in denial, this is what you're looking for. And if your child is, you know, bargaining with you and, and you don't understand it, it's part of the grieving cycle. How do we learn to help our children? That is the goal of my talk today with Christina. So let's welcome her and see what kind of information you are going to be able to add to your toolbox, not only in buying her book, because for 20 bucks, you're going to get a lifetime of experience and a lifetime of information to help you get through this difficult time. So this is Tracy Malone um, from NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. Please, let's welcome Christina. Thank you so much, Christina, for joining me. I am over the top happy and excited for you to be here. Well, I'm excited to be here. I can't wait. I've been waiting for this conversation. Oh, it's such an important one. And, you know, we're going to be talking about co-parenting and co-parenting with a narcissist is so much more complex than, um, you know, the normal advice and and your book is is absolutely amazing we're going to show this like 10 times today <laughs> parenting apart it is it is a bible it is something that everyone needs to get and i'll explain through the the different parts as we talk about what they can gain from your book but you are the parenting guru and um you know one of the things that i i as i read it on vacation a few weeks ago as i was reading it going okay these are all great suggestions but it doesn't work with a narcissist. So I'm going to kind of bring a couple of your lists out to say, this is what you've said, but what do my listeners go through? So um, you had a, a sort of general kind of off the top rules. Don't argue in front of the kids. Um, let the kids know you love them, telling them that it's not their fault. Don't expose them to adult details and don't say bad things about a parent. A brief summary of those. But what do people do that are going through this with a narcissist who will break every one of those rules? And that's a huge issue because there aren't like across the board guidelines for every situation. Now, what I tell parents to do is that while some of these things may not apply, you may have to modify them. One of the first things you need to do is figure out what are your co-parenting values and how do you lean into those? Like regardless of how the other parent behaves, whether they're nice or they're nasty, um, because sometimes 
you know, it can feel like a roller coaster. There'll be times when your co-parent is very charming or, you know, this week we decide we want to get along. And then next week it's a completely like 360, totally different deal, which is very confusing for kids. Why is it that my parents can get along on this day and then the next day they can't? So to make it consistent for kids, it's really important for you to figure out how you want to communicate with the other parent and doing it in a way that is uh, aligned with your co-parenting values about keeping the kids out of the middle, about making them the priority um, and staying the course with that, regardless of what the other parent does. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, the messaging that that the children get when there's the I love you, I don't, I hate you, you know, the way that the parents get along, kids internalize that and they're afraid that the shoe's going to fall for them and you're not going to like them tomorrow because it, it went so logically with the other parents. Like, what about me? They're, they get fearful that those kind of things can be patterns that can be applied to them as well, right? Well, that and the anxiety that kids feel because of the ongoing tension, like they're walking a tightrope. Um, or they're walking on eggshells because they don't know what word they might say that's just going to upend everything. Is this going to be the thing that turns everything around? Is this going to be what gets an explosive reaction out of my parent? Um, So kids literally, like they code switch (laughs) between houses, like they'll talk one way in one house and then they quickly learn, you know, what they can and can't say in the other. And, and they're always trying to balance that. So that anxiety also um, is really, really hard for them. And uh, just like, you know, um, kids will wonder if you can stop loving each other, does that mean someday you might stop loving me? Like what, what is the one thing I'm going to do? And so you also have this dynamic where you may have kids that are like absolutely perfect golden at, you know, with a narcissistic parent, because they know they've seen, they've been given very clear evidence of what happens when you cross the line, when you make me unhappy, when you do something I don't want you to do. Um, And yet at the other house, things may be off the hook because they feel safer with their more stable parent. And that's where the acting out and the frustration and the meltdowns may happen. So I tell parents, you know, if your kids are acting out with you, um, it may not be pleasant, but it means you're doing a really good job as a parent, right? Mm -hmm. Because they feel safe with you. And, and that's the hardest people, the, the thing for, for parents to, to like absorb because they see almost like attack and for parents with, with an ex-narc, it's boom, it's off with their head. They're, they're their father, they're their mother now, right? They just internalize this as if their child has now become the devil spawn because they reacted differently. Does that make sense? No, it does. And a lot of parents that I work with really, really worry about that. Like they see characteristics in their kids Mm -hmm. and they're very worried about their children becoming their co-parent, right? Right. That they're going to grow up in that same way. And so I very strongly encourage parents, don't make negative comparisons. (laughs) Your children are different individuals. And yes, there may be things, but instead that there may be characteristics that they pick up that they're trying on for size. Um, but the best thing that you can do is lead by example mm-hmm. of what your values are. Um, 
you know, and you can talk about what you disagree with. So a lot of times parents fall into kind of two camps, like they do that overreaction, like you just talked about where it's like, oh my God, they're going to become, you know, um, an, an exact duplicate of my ex. Mm -hmm. or they go the other direction and they don't say anything at all because they don't want to highlight it. They don't want to point it out. They don't want to reinforce it. And we need to hit a balance somewhere in between because children have to have a context mm -hmm. for making sense of what they're seeing and experiencing. And this is, this is, feels like the impossible task, right? So how do you talk about it without naming it? <laughs> Because naming it isn't going to be helpful to your kids either. If you sit down and go, okay, sweetheart, I want to let you know that, you know, your mother, father is a narcissist okay. and they're never going to change. <laughs> that's not going to be helpful either, but you can talk about like, I, I understand that's the way uh, dad handled the situation. I don't agree with that. Okay. All right. And that's safe. And it's not going to attack the other parent. So it is taking the neutral corner and yet still giving it validation that it's not okay. It's not the way you believe. Like you're not saying it's not okay. You're saying we have a difference of opinion. Both. Sure. And you can also validate your children's feelings and experiences, which is another really important component. Like when our kids are talking about these things with us, when mom or dad got really upset with them or how disappointed they were because the other parent didn't show up or because, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a mom and bless her. She is really, really working hard to support the kids and having a relationship, you know, with their father. Um, but time and time again, you know, uh, they make requests, they reach out and they're disappointed they're crestfallen, you know, they buy presents and the presents are like, well, you should have delivered it in person. You know, you must not really love me. I'm not even going to open it. Um, uh, right. It's so hard to see your kids go through that. Um, but instead of saying something like, well, maybe next time that will behave differently, or it's, it's good of you to keep, keep trying, you know, lean in and validate gosh, how hard that must be. Mm. And that it's really disappointing to put so much time and thought into doing something and then not have it received, you know, with the intention. Right. Exactly. And, and that's such just good parenting language, right? I, I have a client as well. Daddy breaks the promises, doesn't show up when he's supposed to, promised this, and then gets really mad. Okay, now I'm ready, but it's not his time. And he gets really angry and then gives the child who's seven in this case, I think, like your mother's such a terrible person. She's up. She's not letting me see you. The lies. The, I mean, the, the practicality is it's not his time. He doesn't get them right. You can't just ignore them when it was your time and then come back in when you're ready. And so the, the mixed messages to this beautiful little girl is, you know, mommy's really evil for doing this. You tell your mother that I want to come and she's being mean and I'm going to take her back to court. Again, adulting things like a seven-year-old should never hear. But what advice do you have for that mother? It's similar to your client. What do we tell them? Um, I think you say, you know, I, I don't agree with that. It sounds mm -hmm. like dad was feeling really angry. And sometimes when a parent is really angry, they may say things to try to hurt the other parent. 
Um, that may be the way he's seeing it. That's not the way I see it. And the other really important message that kids need to hear is just because dad is upset with me, that doesn't mean you have to be upset with me. Our problems are not your problems. Nice. Nice. Could you just be the whisper? Like the <laughs> years because like if, if there was like just a book of things this is what you should say that would be awesome um, you know I do offer a lot of cheat sheets but but the other thing is that you know it, it requires you need to think about these things validation sounds pretty straightforward mm -hmm. um, but actually it's really really hard mm -hmm. and you have to practice it a lot and the times when it is the hardest is the time when it's most needed so every day just for parents to try to kind of dig in and practice these skills because I'm I'm a professional listener and I can tell you there have been times when I've totally like just dropped the ball my kids will tell you uh, mom you're not getting it <laughs> well then we pull out the oops I'm human I make mistakes card <laughs> right exactly and we circle back and say you know what you're right mm -hmm. I didn't show up for you the way I wanted to and so can we talk about this again. And I think that that's really important. A lot of my clients will say, oh, I wish I had. Why didn't I think of? Well, when you're in it, it's really hard to think about it. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to like, don't think that I walk around just spouting off these really wise <laughs> words all the time, because when you're, your brain is not there, it's filled, you know, you're filled with emotion um, and, and you're having to control your reaction along with being fully present for your child and trying to understand the why behind how they're feeling. Like, gosh, that must be so disappointing. I'm so sorry you had to hear that. You know, I don't agree with what mom or dad said. Absolutely. And, and basically when you were talking about taking accountability for, for the mistake, oh yeah, I, I didn't do that. I didn't catch that, sorry. You know, again, this is a model of things that a narcissist can't do taking right. accountability, showing integrity to be like, yep, I messed up, but here's how I'll fix it. Here's how I'll explain it to you so that it's easier for the child to digest. Those are things that are, you know, we worry about the, the child becoming like the narcissist uh, or the, those mm -hmm. parents too, right? But at the same time, modeling the behaviors of proper boundaries, integrity, um, accountability, and, and just- Empathy. <laughs> That's a huge one that they aren't going to see. So modeling that is going to build up their self-esteem so that they don't get another angry answer back, right? If they've just taken it from one house and they come back and they spout it at you and you blow up because they've triggered you, now mm -hmm. the kid is getting it from both sides, right? So it's balanced. Right, right. And figuring out how to handle the anger um, because that is one, you know, the anger and the sadness are two of the most difficult emotions for parents to deal with. Um, and sometimes we have a harder time dealing with one than the other. But when you're talking about anger, when kids get angry, and certainly they have every right to feel angry at times, we want to reinforce that it's okay. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be angry. Mm -hmm. However, what you do with it mm -hmm. matters a lot. Um, and so this is where kids get caught in a double bind because we're really good at telling them what they can't do, mm -hmm. but we're not so good at telling them what they can do. So we also have to be ready to offer them like a 
coping strategies and ways of managing these really difficult feelings that are okay in this household. Mm -hmm. Right. Nice. Nice. Again, such a validating thing. Again, we, we need you to be in the whispering ear of so many people, but they're going to get your book and they're going to learn this stuff because it's absolutely imperative because it's your children's life on the line. If they are sitting there going through this divorce trauma and, and there's just constant back and forth fighting, then they're going to think that's normalized and they're going to grow mm -hmm. up and marry someone that does the same thing because it's normal, right? So to have that sort of yin and yang of, you know, crazy and, and normalized behavior, the child is getting a, a chance at seeing a consistent, you know, happy kind of hotel home versus going into like total chaos. And, and that's where the kids start to cut and they start to go through so much when they are witnessing right. it. Sides. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You definitely don't want them internalizing it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to keep the conversation going yes. um, and really finding some way to talk about these things. And even when they, because one of the issues I hear from parents all the time in these situations is my kid just like clams up. They won't talk about it. Um, and I think that when that happens, you can crack the door, you can leave it a little bit open and you can say, you know, I get how hard this is to talk about, you know, there and wherever you can normalize, there are lots of kids who, you know, are in a difficult situation. Their parents aren't getting along well, they can't make good decisions together. Um, and it makes it really hard for kids and, and they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to make it worse. Mm -hmm. I get that. Just know you know, you may not be ready to talk about it right now, but when you are ready to talk about it, I'll be ready to listen. So you let me know. Nice. Nice. Awesome. I just could listen to you all day. This is <laughs> not the same way in your house. We, we know that, right? But part of the, what I love, there's so many parts I love about this book. Part of what, what I love about this book is, you know, you take the parents through the almost the stages of grief so you know bargaining and anger and depression and um you know denial and these are the stages that the children are going to go through how do we help them that or how do we recognize because that's the hardest part like you get this reaction from the child and maybe it's anger and you're like oh they're so angry but that's often part of the grieving process right mm -hmm. so like which one is it is it part of the grieving process how do we recognize the differences between you know true acting out in response to things versus they may be in this grieving cycle with you know the grief the anger the bargaining and all that so how do people recognize these signs in the kids well some of it can be you know merged together the the lines may not be very clear no. right <laughs> um and so versus trying to pinpoint it I really encourage parents seek to understand it. So when we're talking about validation, validation isn't just naming the emotion, boy, you're really upset right now. Gosh, I can see how sad you are. It's trying to understand the why. It's trying to stand in that moment with your kids and be fully present, mm -hmm. right? And normalize by saying things like, gosh, I can understand why you might feel that way. It doesn't mean we have to agree with their perception of the situation. We don't have to agree with their ideas, but we can, we can validate, oh, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like if I were in your shoes, 
I might feel the same way. The other really important thing to remember about kids is what we're seeing on the outside is not necessarily what's going on on the inside. And so that validation process of really trying to understand the why mm-hmm. um, is, is part of that. Get curious, just ask a lot of questions. A lot of parents want to just jump in and start kind of like managing their kids mm-hmm. um, instead of saying, oh gosh, tell me more about that. What does that look like for you? Help me understand. I don't quite get it. Um, Even with very little kids, like when they're feeling really angry, Mm -hmm. you can quantify the anger by saying, oh, how big is your anger? Could you hold it in your hands? Would it fill the whole room? What color is it? Like, how can we, how can we put your arms around it? Like, there's a lot of different ways that you can help kids start talking about these different feelings in terms of trying to figure out like what's due to the grieving and what's due to, you know, something else that's going on for the kids or maybe the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you trust your gut as a parent because really we are the experts regarding our kids. We know them better than anybody else. And sometimes if you feel like you need another perspective, then get some support versus shuffling your kids off to therapy. I always recommend that parents go themselves first Mm. so that you can talk to someone and get some feedback because there's a lot of things as a parent that you can do, a lot of important changes you can make to really support your kids through this. And as you go through that process of trying to understand the why of getting additional support of crafting some responses that are in alignment with your co-parenting values, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to do a better job in supporting your kids. Yeah, that's brilliant. Again, there's a part in your book that talks about the, the developmentally stages of the child Mm -hmm. in this bracket, you may be seeing this in this you're going to experience that and I want everyone to get this book to read those sections because it's going to help you to go okay in their age bracket what they're going through is it's not fun but it's it's normal it's for their age they're going through this and they won't be broken forever right that's their biggest fear they're going to just somehow just be messed up for life but if you can get that information that says as a three to four year old, they're going to be doing things like this. These may be their challenges. That's going to give you so much insight to sit there and be able to help them without catastrophizing any of their behaviors. Yes. And that's such an important point. You know, how do we get a frame of reference mm-hmm. for viewing what it is we're seeing? And when divorce enters the scene, we have a high conflict situation, we have co-parent that's unwilling to be cooperative. It's really easy to look at kind of like all the external factors, you know, all the things we can't control instead of really focusing in and shifting our energy into what is within our control. And what you have control over is how you inform yourself, you know, um, how you respond, how you process a situation with your children, how you choose to react to the situation, right? And, and determining um, what you can do within, on your side of the fence, right? You have no control over what the other parent does at all. And it is so difficult sometimes to kind of tease all that out, but the more informed you are, you know, the better able you'll 
you'll see things differently. It will broaden your perspective. And when we start to see things differently, um, I think in many cases, like the drama that might come back out of us is calmer, like putting our oxygen mask on first and getting that strength to not react the way they want to, because that is what a narcissist wants. They want to control your emotions. So if they can hijack you on a whim, they're going to do it. If you stop reacting, in many cases, in my client's experience, when you stop reacting the way they are training you to do, and mm -hmm. just the high road, you get calmer, the situation gets calmer, and the narcissist gets bored. Like they wanted that reaction. So it's like, oh, that didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. And the game isn't as much fun. So in many ways, learning to, to communicate better and learning to um, adjust the way that you take in what comes home with the children is going to be making them a lot stronger, right? Oh, yes, yes. And, and remembering that you always have like not responding mm -hmm. is an option. <laughs> That's a choice that you have. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of parents, you know, I, I have a client that um, horrible, horrible situation, years and years in the family court system to actually, you know, uh, get a divorce. And it's a uh, an equal time sharing arrangement. So, I mean, there's constant room for trauma, right? Um, and one of the analogies that I gave her is, is like, have you ever played tug of war? Right? How easy is it to play that game if you drop the rope? Right. Exactly. So, this is the same kind of dynamic with your co parent. They want you to pick up the rope, they want somebody pulling back on the other end. And if you put down the rope, it ends the game, right? So you have options. Choosing not to respond is an option that you can exercise or just giving yourself time because it's there's so much intensity to these dynamics, you know, this negative intimacy. So instead of there being this passionate love that you want shared, it turns into this, you know, passion for agitating and constantly stirring the pot. And that's the way they stay connected to you. The relationship continues to live out through the conflict, mm -hmm. um, you know, and so you can remove that payoff. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's really important. It's, it's the reward is for the whole family because the children don't get as triggered because you're not, and it, it's not going to be easy to not react. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be easy to listen to lies and smears and all kinds of other things when the children come home. But that's why we have the therapist. That's why we have the coach to talk to, to like, oh, get rid of it, right? Instead of holding it. Because when we hold these emotions, when we are constantly being barraged by triggers, then we are just one like drop of sand away from having a reaction that is explosive, mm. right? So mm -hmm. learning to, to get that off, understand it, learn a better tool is going to help everyone in the family. Right. Well, and paying attention to, you know, having a level of awareness uh -huh. of our own feelings, um, because a lot of times we're just moving and going. We're not stopping to check in and go, hmm, how am I, how am I feeling right now? <laughs> how did I feel when my child said? And so sometimes we may need to just hit pause. Like if you feel your stomach tightening up in knots, if you feel your, you know, your breathing changing or your shoulders are tightening, there's your clue. 
I need to go take a walk outside. I need to go, you know, stand in the backyard for a few minutes. Um, and, and I think that that's a really important component, even when you, you know, those texts that you get that just like, yeah, drive you up a wall, you don't have to rifle one back. You can put the phone down, acknowledge it, put the phone down, sleep on it. If it's not time sensitive, if it's not an emergency situation, mm -hmm. give yourself a day before you respond. Mm -hmm. I mean, your co-parent may not like it, but that is a choice yeah. that you put down the rope. Absolutely. And again, you know, just learning to communicate better is also going to change the dynamic they're never going to stop being who they are they're never going to react any differently than they react right now just because you got a divorce don't expect them to co-parent any different they did in the marriage right right absent and not there or they were this and that you know you might get a disneyland mom or dad for a little while but they're going to revert back to who they really are and so our power is in not letting these things trigger us and taking the high road to go i'll wait a day this is just too much to listen to i'm not going to react and that creates a better dynamic in communication so that you can have that foundation that isn't bam 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 because that doesn't help anybody um you and i have a mutual love for parenting plans um and i'm just wondering i i have a chapter in my book called the, the gray areas of a divorce decree which are don't forget to have these things added into the decree for the parenting plans and really get very granular with that are there steps that you know of that could go into the parenting plan that would simplify the parenting afterwards there's something they really should get in there well i i think the more details i mean the devil's in the details right mm -hmm. so um i i think it's not it's the parenting plan is really important so think about like what is normal family life what needs to change what needs to stay the same how specific do you need to get? And I think reaching out to a coach or a professional like yourself who can really guide parents through, because when you're in it, you're only thinking about just getting through that moment. And once, once the ink dries, you know, there you're bound to it if you can't agree. And if you're in this type of situation where you're dealing with a narcissist, chances are very slim <laughs> that you're ever gonna agree on anything. And so you really wanna pay attention to what's put in the plan. So being very specific about pickups and drop-offs, how can you minimize the amount of contact um, and make the transition smoother for the kids? So using school as kind of a pickup and drop-off place. Um, how can you put provisions in there for future issues? That's a really important one um, because there most certainly will be some. So putting a stopgap in there where you name a specific mediator or professional that you can work with, getting a parenting coordinator involved um, so that you're not constantly being drugged back to court time and time again. Mm -hmm. um, and, and possibly building in a time to review because let's say your kids are really young when you go through this process. So the parenting plan you develop when they're three is not going to fit very well when they're 13. So how can you be thinking about crafting some provision to revisit mm -hmm. and redesign how your time sharing arrangement is? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that those are, are really big issues. 
um, and most certainly uh, in terms of how decisions are made, mm -hmm. try to really think about that. So there's going to be summer camps. There may be therapists. There may be extracurricular activities. If your decree says that you both have to agree and decide on those things, it's going to be battle after battle after battle. So how can you set up um, a provision that is, is thinking about those things for the sake of your kids? Because it's awful when a child only gets to go to every other soccer practice or they miss summer camp every year because it falls one week into one parent's time and three weeks into the other parent's time. You know, So you really want to try and think ahead of time. Where might there be points of conflict? What can you do in advance in preparation of that to make things easier for your kids? Yeah, all of this is absolutely like what they need to hear that the, the decision-making like it's, it's it's what are the rules what's our policy when we have this what is our policy for disagreements right uh, I would even go so far as to say what is our policy for makeup time because in my example I used earlier you know the dad is always blowing off his time and then okay I'm here now well what's right. the policy let's map this out and I think the biggest mistake I see is people again sort of building a parenting plan based on a three-year-old and mm -hmm. while they're in kindergarten we don't have to worry about that we don't have to worry about when they're going to get a phone or you know can they get their ears pierced none of those decisions even get brought in and yet right. you have strong family beliefs on certain things then they should be discussed and no, again, everyone's like, well, the narcissist is never going to agree to any of this. But if you don't ask, you don't get. And if you don't even start the introduction and the conversation, um, you'll never get it. But it's it, if it ends up having to go to court and you've proposed these things, you could get more in there by just sort of going, let's see what happens and we'll just take it now because it's easier and then they'll go away quicker. You're going to either pay now right. or later. Yeah. Or they're in that place where they're just worn down and they just want to get it done. Let's just get the deal done. And I think, you know, one really important component to avoiding that is getting connected to support early in the game. Unfortunately, more often than not, parents are finding their way to your door, to my door after the fact The you know, the ink is dry <laughs> and they're just now kind of figuring out what they're dealing with because the wheels have completely come off and their kids are really struggling and they don't know what to do. And, and I think that the sooner you can get access to good information and support, the better outcome for you, the better outcome for your kids, regardless of whether you're married to a narcissist or not, get informed get support. It's one of the best things that you can do for you and your kids. Um, because when you're in it, there are so many things that just like fly right under our parenting radar. We just can't, we can't see them. It's not that we don't want to, we just can't. And we're also in that stage in such usual high conflict, divorce, lots of things coming at you. And so you can't see if you've got all these financial things in forensic accountants and you're on that path. How do you remember to think about what will we do if we don't agree on something? What's the policy? Right. You're, you're going, ah, oh, to this. And yet we're like, oh, just get that bonnet on every other week, whatever. Like all those stupid things that get put into here. I know you have mm -hmm. a amazing parts about 
parenting time and the 50-50, not always best interest of the children. So I want to encourage everyone to get your book again. This, I think it's like the 10th time I've said it, but we're going to put a link down below. Is there anything else that you could give advice to close this out to people that are co-parenting with a narcissist that maybe we've missed? So here's one thing that I frequently say to parents, and that is you may not be able to make it better with the other parent, but at any point in time, you do have the ability to make it so much worse for your kids. Mm. Sometimes the very best that we can do is not make it worse, right? To be that shelter from the storm, mm -hmm. to give them refuge, to give them a, a calm, quiet place to be. Um, and that's, that's so important to remember that we do have choices. And for so many parents, I think they feel helpless mm -hmm. and, and hopeless um, about their situation. And they, they don't realize how much they can do by just not contributing to the crazy making, to the drama, and really giving their kids a soft place to land and listening to them. And it may not feel like you're doing much in the moment, mm -hmm. but over the long haul, you really want to play the long game, right? Um, it will make such a huge difference in your children's lives. Like they're little seeds you're planting that over time will grow and bloom. I am so grateful for that because we have to keep that in mind, right? Instead of the, you know, tit for tat back and forth in the communication process, it's like, you know what? They can say all that stuff. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to absorb it. I'm not going to hold it. I'm not going to let it ruin my day. I'm going to wait that 24 hours if I can, and then think about it. You have something in your book that I want to end with that I just loved. And again, the whole thing is highlighted on every page, but this one I put a, a yellow paper on too. Responding <laughs> means giving a situation or issue thought um, before taking action, but reacting involves taking action based on impulse and emotion. So responding is, is going to be your better bet than reacting. And that's when we get that tit for tat back and forth emails. You're never going to get out of that cycle. They can still do their game, but you can walk away from the responding and name calling that takes you to a bad place, ruins your day, and then eventually trickles down to your children. Yeah. And the thing that I would say about bad mouthing and the, you know, uh, dealing with the truth, the, the truth is such a slippery slope, right? Mm -hmm. And when we tell our children, you know, when we get into uh, the habit of reacting by sharing our side of the story or justifying or trying to explain or set the record straight, it really just draws kill children in um, into a no-win situation because when you give them your side of the story, even though it may be the 100% gospel truth, Right. they're going to do like any normal kid would do and they're going to fact check it with the other parent right well you know mom said blah 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 well then what does dad do well dad says that's not true let me tell you the real truth and then they get you know a whole slew of like facts and information and another side of the story and then what do the kids do with that well they go right back to mom and they say so mom, dad said, and it just never, it, like it never ends. 
And so while you may feel, I, I think a lot of parents feel like that if they don't set the record straight, that it's like they're signing off yeah. on it. Um, and that's not the case. You're just stopping the cycle for your kids. Mm-hmm. And you can, again, it doesn't mean that you have to be silent. You can still say, that's not the way I see it. Mm-hmm. I don't agree with dad's perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sorry that you had to hear that. You know, one thing that's really important to me is I don't want you to be in the middle. Our problems are not your problems. Um, and so just put a lid on it for your kid's sake. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Thank you. How can people get a hold of you? And I wrote down cheat sheets. I'm like, she said the word cheat sheets. Where can they find those? And where can they find you? We'll put the URL along the bottom, but tell us how they can find you. So you can find me at divorceandchildren.com, divorceandchildren.com. That's my website. There's a lot of articles, um, you know, a lot of information that you can find if you, um, I have a, a sign up, if you sign up for the list, I have a resource guide that I give to parents. That's probably, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 36 pages now. It's ridiculous, but it's books for parents. It's books for kids, depending on their age and stage. I have a brand new section on, uh, you know, dealing with a narcissist that has books. Uh, this one is on there. <laughs> along with this channel, um, you know, because people need information. And so uh, my intention with creating this resource guide was to make it easier because sometimes looking for help is just as overwhelming as the problem you're dealing with. And so if there's any way that I can shorten the learning curve for parents, I want to be able to do that for them. Um, and I also do one-on-one coaching. I would say the vast majority of parents that I work with are parents that are in those, you know, really difficult situations um, where they've got a co-parent that's either not stepping up or is, um, it falls right into that high conflict, narcissistic range. Um, and they're really wanting to do right by their kids. Well, you just keep on being the light because this is what, everyone needs and there really isn't as much information um, out there that people can as you said you can google it and you'll get 10 million results well I don't have time to go through 10 million just give me the answer so everybody Christina's site is your answer Um, I encourage you to go there download I'm going to go download that thing and see what she's got for us Um, but we will also put the link down below to your parenting apart book and we're going to get people to, to understand how to help our children through this horrible process, because it's not a kiss of death for them. It is a, just a, a turning curve, and it's a place for us to go, I can still make a difference in my children's life, despite the war games on the side. So don't give up hope, and thank you so much for what you are doing for this community and for being here today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Wasn't that great? I told you you would learn some stuff from her. She's so super, super smart. Check out other videos that she's made and um, putting her name into YouTube. She's got a a great one with Susan Guthrie, who I've interviewed before, um, about how to tell the children you're getting a divorce and a whole bunch of other things. She's so brilliant. Just suck up all of her knowledge and go buy her book. Um, I will put a link down below so that you don't have to go searching for it. And those of you on a podcast, it is called Parenting Apart. 
and um, get the book, get the information and start to learn how to get through this in a healthier, calmer way. This is how you're going to make it through. And this is Tracy Malone. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you again next time.